this summer we have been looking at the church and what the Bible says about the church, God's church, and and it's been transformative for many because many of us have grown up with the church as an institution, the church as an organization, the church that, no, the church is radically different than maybe what I thought three months ago. We've learned that the church is made up of who? The people, us, right? So the church isn't just an organization, it's an organism made up of the redeemed, right? A church isn't something you just go to, it's something you are a part of, right? And so these radical truths that maybe seem simple uh, on the surface, if you let them sink in, suddenly you're like, what? What? You know, I've shared with you before. Did you wake up this morning and say, Lord, I don't want to just go to church today. I want to be an active participant this morning. And I'm not just talking in serving. And then many of you get here at 8 o'clock. Thank you for the bulletins and, and everything you do to make this place beautiful for everyone who comes later. But I'm talking just an active, engaged participant rather than sort of this, this mentality we have, especially in America, of a spectator. Right? Where church is something where you go and you sit passively and whoever's behind here is talking at you. And you're just sort of led along until we say, ready, break, and then you go home. No, you, you can have a radically different experience if you wake up on a Sunday and say, Lord, today, woo, Lord, use me today. Maybe there's someone this morning that needs a hug. Maybe there's someone this morning that needs me to pray for them. Maybe there's someone this morning that, that I don't even know yet, but by golly, I'm going to be open and maybe after church over coffee and donuts, I'm going to make a new friend. And Lord, in your divine plan, we might become lifelong friends. But see, in order to, to engage that level, you have to choose to see church differently. That as a believer, you're in. Everyone say, you're already in. Right? There are no tryouts. There's no tryouts for the church. There's no JV. You're in. Now, just that inness has already kind of rocked some people because, you know, yeah, like I'm a, you know, kind of a back row and, you know, I kind of sit over there, and I, you know, and, and it's kind of like weird. We used to have people, you know how meet and greet, we let it go for four minutes. For some, that's an eternity. Because then people come up to me and they, they, they say hi and they want to ask my name. And, 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 and I get that, and we understand that, but for some reason, God has just blessed that part of our worship time. It's like a mini reunion. Amen? That's really what it is. Every week, you, you, I, I encourage you, hey, how you, how's your week? It's, it's not cliche. It, it's meaningful around here. So we've been looking at the church, and in Philippians uh, chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is in a prison cell. And he's writing a very loving, very warm, very encouraging letter to the believers or the church at a city called Philippi. And kind of the first 26 verses is very loving, very affirming. And then towards verse, you know, 21, 26, he kind of goes into this, well, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be martyred. I don't know if I'm going to be set free. I really want to be set free to, to continue to minister with you, right? So he kind of he says, you know, 
my desire is to stay here and, and love on you some more. And then he, he gives them a command. And it's very interesting because he's not sure. Okay, remember, he's not sure exactly what's going to happen. He's writing from a prison cell. And this is the Apostle Paul. So, so here's the Apostle Paul writing to a church, the believers at a city called Philippi. And he says something in verse 27 that's really important. Because he says, hey, you know what, guys? Whether or not I'm ever going to see you again, there's one thing I want you to focus on. There's one thing on my heart for you as a church. And, and I look at this for us as a church, right? And I'm like, I want to do that. If we can do this, right? In fact, I was thinking if, if, if I was ever going to be away for an extended period of time or whatever, and, and, and I was going to say, hey, guys, I'm not going to be around for a while and whatever, going on vacation, sabbatical, whatever. Here's what I want you to do while I'm away so I can hear about this. This is what I would love to hear. That's what he's saying, okay? So, so the Apostle Paul says, look in verse 27. He says this. Whatever happens. Now, in some versions, it says only. And that's a very important, important distinction, too. It says whatever happens, but in some versions, it says only, okay? Whatever happens. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. This morning we're going to focus just on the first part of 27. It says, whatever happens or only, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So again, he's not sure he's coming out of this prison cell. He's like, you know what? If there's one thing I want to share with you, if there's one thing I would love to hear about you, church, is that you're conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, that word conduct in the King James, it's your conversation. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. What he's saying where that word conduct is related and, and really where we get the word politics or political. Okay? So he's not talking about conduct in terms of just external behavior. It's related. But what he's saying here is, as citizens... Here's how you're supposed to act. Here's how I want you to act. And you're like, as citizens, right? What, is, what does that mean? He, he, it's very important that we understand Philippi. The city of Philippi was about 800 miles away from Rome. But the city of Philippi, according to Acts 16, was a Roman colony. A Roman colony, okay? So the people in Philippi were Roman citizens under Roman law, spoke Roman language, dressed like Romans, enjoyed all the rights and privileges of Rome. In fact, Philippi was famous as being a miniature Rome. A miniature Rome. And here's the thing. Romans were so focused on being Romans that the individuals sort of submitted themselves to Rome. And everything was about building a Roman community and exalting Rome and 
Philippi was surrounded, right? But there was other people around them, indigenous people. They were so fanatical in their loyalty to Rome that none of the other cultures around them were allowed to infiltrate. They were like, nope, we're Romans. And Philippi is a Roman colony. We are not going to be influenced. We're not going to allow other cultures in. We're Romans. We talk Roman. We dress Roman. We have Roman laws. We have Roman customs. We are just Rome. We're 800 miles away. When you walk in here, you might as well be walking into Rome. Right? It's that mindset where the Apostle Paul says, Hey, church, as citizens of heaven, look at Philippians 3.20. Look at 3.20. What does it say there? But our citizenship is where? Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's very important. The Apostle Paul is speaking to believers, and he's saying, Hey, you Roman believers who are so committed to being Rome, to, to exalting Rome, to not letting anything infiltrate and, and, and mess up your Romanness. He says, Hey, I want you to bring that same commitment, that same diligence, that same focus to being citizens of heaven. I want you to be as dedicated as a citizen of heaven as you are as a Roman citizen. Mm. See, because why does that matter? Because what is the church? Who makes up the church? Okay, that's people, but let's be more specific. In light of the verse we just read, who makes up the church? Citizens of heaven. If you're a believer, this morning, this is a gathering of the citizens of heaven. Every week we gather, it is a gathering of the citizens of heaven. See, Philippi was a Roman colony. So even if you've never been to Rome, you should walk in there and go, whoa, this is what it's all about. You know, 800 miles away, I still I know what Rome's about just because of the way these people act, walk, talk, care about each other, committed. So if someone doesn't know Jesus and walks in these doors around the citizens of heaven, shouldn't our desire be? That they would have a, oh, that's what this is all about. That's what the citizens of heaven, I get it. Just by being around us as who? Citizens of heaven. Heaven. Right? This, it's so interesting because you know, with, with, with all the things going on in the country and, and you know, all the, all the issues with, the, with how people feel about the country and all this kind of stuff, it's very interesting that, that the Apostle Paul says to us today, hey, 
I want you to put aside all that stuff. It's, I'm not saying it's not important. But church, what I really want you to focus on this morning is that you are citizens of heaven. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. We have this sort of citizenship, dual citizenship, if you want to call it that. But in this dual citizenship, one citizenship reigns. Our citizenship in heaven. Yeah. I have had uh, relatives, uncles, and some cousins come through the, the legal process in this country to become naturalized citizens. Right? And many of us who were born in this country, kind of like, oh, you know, you're just born. It's not, maybe not a big deal. But for my relatives who come through it, if you've ever been a part of that moment in their life, to become a citizen of the United States, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I don't know how many of you, you know, as part of the ceremony, they, they have an oath, an oath of allegiance. And let me read to you the first half of the oath of allegiance to the United States of America. If you want to become a citizen here, you go through a ceremony, and at a certain point, you recite this oath of allegiance to the United States. Here's the first half of it. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That's a weighty statement. If you, if you want to become a citizen of the United States, you are proclaiming all in. We call that all in. Allegiance. Any other foreign countries, any other allegiances I had, they're done. I'm a citizen of the good old USA. How many of us carry that same level of allegiance to heaven? To heaven. Have you ever pondered? And now some verses that you've heard us teach before might make sense. How about this one? Mark 8. Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. I think that's a pretty weighty oath of allegiance, don't you? But now you hear it differently. Right? That's a pretty weighty oath of allegiance. Look at Matthew 22, 37, 38. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's an oath of allegiance. You're going to be a follower of Jesus. You, the first commandment, you're all in. You love him with your whole being. Oath of allegiance as a citizen of where? citizen of heaven what is the church what do we do every time we gather we gather with other citizens of heaven that you got to ponder that you got to say okay what's my identity who am i i'm just i'm not just a christian i'm a citizen of heaven i'm a citizen of heaven on a colony right that song robert this world is not my home i'm just a passing through right 
How many of us get so caught up in the day-to-day and what's happening on the news and da-da-da-da-da-da-da that we get so consumed with just this planet that we forget, in many ways, we're a colony. We're here, planted on this, put on this planet as citizens of heaven to represent our homeland. How many of you know that Americans don't have the best reputation traveling? Right? Right? Just by their words and conduct on an airplane, in an airport, at a hotel, right? Someone goes, must be an American. Right? You're, you, right? And, and what is that? It's because by their conduct, they're representing this country. many ways not so good right and so the apostle paul is hey behave as citizens of heaven and then look at the look at look at the second part of the verse it says conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel that word worthy there's a word picture it's a scale it's a scale when he says conduct yourselves behave as citizens in a manner worthy what he means is this You are in Christ. You are a new creation. This is who you are. How you live should match. Your conduct and your creed, how you live, should match. That's what it means to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. That your conduct, 24-7, 365, in all areas of your life, equals, has equal weight to your character of Christ, who you are in Christ. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, citizens of heaven, live your life so that what you say matches how you live. That's it. It's that basic. It's that simple, right? There's a, a, a quote I read. Um, remember, I don't know, some of you, this will date yourself. The uh, world master, uh, world uh, master mime. Anyone remember Marcel Marceau? Mime. Right? Very famous mime. That kind of stuff, right? He says, he was asked, what's the difference between regular acting and pantomime? Marceau's response was interesting. He said, in the case of a bad actor, the words are there even if the actor is no good. But when a mime is not good, there is nothing left. A mime must be very clear and very strong. Now, I know some of you are like, well, that movie had bad acting and bad, you know, bad. But what he's saying is, hey, if you're a mime, it's all you got. So the question is, if someone followed you around, citizen of heaven, and muted your sounds, you weren't allowed to talk, but they just watched you. Mime being a citizen of heaven. What would they see? What would they see if they followed you around on mute and just observed your conduct? Would your conduct equal your creed? Would they have a moment where go, Ah, that's what a citizen of heaven is about. That's how a citizen of heaven Fights fires. That's how a citizen of heaven goes to college. That's how a citizen of heaven treats their wife. 
That's how a citizen of heaven handles their money. That's how a citizen of heaven speaks. That's how a citizen of heaven every area of your life. Our conduct should match our creed. We should live in a manner worthy. Right? That's what he's saying. And here's the crazy thing. It is a great privilege. Amen? Come on now, before you start going, oh, because oh, some of you are already slinking in your chairs, like, oh, really? Really? Gosh. Right? Because how many of your parents have said this, to be honest? Do as I say, not as I. Right? How many have ever been called out on your kids? How many have ever seen your kids act like you and you didn't even know they were picking it up? How many have ever had a kid say something you say when you thought they weren't listening? You're like, where did you get that? Well, Daddy, you say it to Mommy all the time. <laughs> Noah's laughing in the back. He's like, yeah, that just happened today, right? See, what's hard is in the church, we want the mute. We, wanna, we, want, we, want, we don't want to be muted because we want to we justify. We want to have the opportunity to explain, to rationalize, to real, this is what I really meant. No, I didn't really, uh, nah. we want, no. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. There comes a time when, when you, you got to walk the talk. Years and years ago, when I was a youth pastor in San Diego, I got invited out to a, a Saturday morning, the sheriff's department had brought together uh, several juvenile offenders to a camp out in rural San Diego. And it was just for the day, and this camp had a ropes course, and they were going to take these juvenile offenders through ropes course and, you know, life lessons, right? So they say, hey, can you come out and do a little devotional chapel? I'm like, sure. Drive out to the east county of San Diego. Sheriff officers are there. I speak to these juvenile offenders, high school teenagers, boys. I do my, do my Bible lesson. The lead sheriff comes up. He goes, all right. Now we're going to head over to the ropes course. And preacher, man, you go first. <laughs> He's like, you got to lead by example. Right? And all these juvenile offenders are laughing because they see my face. I'm like, dude, I thought I was just going to come and preach at them. I thought I was just going to share the word. And he's like, no, you're leading by example. How can we ask them to get on this 25-foot telephone pole and jump to that trapeze unless you, Mr. Bible Preacher, do it first? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right? And so I'm struggling, but you got these, you know, hardcore gangsters, and you don't want to look like a wimp. I'm like, sure, I got this. Yeah. Climb this. You know, have you ever seen those, right? That telephone pole. you got to climb up 25 feet. And then you get to the top and you got to somehow get both feet up there, right? And, and then there's a trapeze, a trapeze. And I'm supposed to jump to the trapeze. And I do it and I think I screamed a little bit, but that's okay. But I had to, I had to back up my talk. I thought I was going to go and just talk at them and share a Bible study and encourage these juvenile offenders. And Mr. Sheriff says, no, it'd be more powerful if you just lived it here, buddy. Why don't you lead by example? Why don't you get up on the telephone pole first and show them show them what it means to work through that? 
And that's, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us as citizens of heaven. Hey, guys, just, just live a life worthy of your calling. Live a life of really just, just matches just matches who you are, right? And what's the purpose? It's not to glorify us. It's not about the well being, like I said, the biggest, baddest, anything. It's to glorify God. I love Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Isn't that awesome? You just live your life in the normalcy of life. I'm not talking about being up here or doing anything big around the church. I'm just talking just live your life. As a citizen of heaven, and people are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. Right? Your kids are watching you. Matthew 5.16 says, they'll see it, and they'll glorify God. Do it for his glory. Turn to 1 Peter 2. Look at 1 Peter 2. Hebrews, James, you're going to go right several books. 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2.11. 1 Peter 2.11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you, here again, same concept, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify God on the day he visits you. Right? Same thing. Hey, church, whatever happens, just do this. Just have your conduct match who you are as citizens of heaven. With all the rights and privileges that come with being a citizen of heaven, right? Look at chapter 4, 1 Peter, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So here's the thing, citizens of heaven. If you choose to live... And walk in a manner worthy of your calling of the gospel, right? Wait, what does verse 4 say? Your old buddies are going to think you're strange. And in fact, it says they will heap abuse on you. Right? The old crowd. Ah, you're just a goody two-shoe. Oh, you're too good for us? Oh, now, oh, 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 now you're condemning us, right? And, and you're not even saying anything. Right? You're just choosing not to partake in the darkness and the sinful nature and the things you used to do. And suddenly, by just not participating, you're strange. And you're, dude, you're such a downer. You're really bumming us out now. Right? You're a party pooper. Right? All that stuff. They heap abuse on you 
when you choose, and, and, and I just share this with you because this is what Scripture says, when you choose to live as a citizen of heaven, to have your conduct balanced with your creed, expect that the world is going to think you're cuckoo. You're strange. You're strange. Right? And they might even heap abuse on you. All for living a godly, holy life. That's, that's just part of it, right? That's why our motive, this is not about earning salvation. We do this out of love. We do this out of a desire to glorify God. We do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we do this. Lord, I love you so much. I just want to honestly, accurately represent you to this world. And this is the good thing. See, here's the thing. Sometimes we're like, oh, man, now, now I can't preach. I don't know the Bible well enough. We're not asking you to preach. We're not asking you to go stand on the corner at State Street and street preach. We're not asking you to, to go and, and debate people. Just live your life as a citizen of heaven. And especially in this current climate, that's plenty. Amen? Amen? I have a, a buddy, Chaz, who's a pastor, and we talked years ago. He says, you know what happened? For a long time in this country, there was a, what we call a lot of gray. Where, you know, you good moral person, and there's a lot of gray. But over time, especially in this last few years and decades, the gray has shrunk. And now, it's pretty clear. There's not a lot of wiggle room on where you stand on things. So just to be light as a citizen of heaven is plenty. Is plenty. To be honest, to be a person of integrity, to love your enemy, to forgive. All of what we call, we would consider the basics. What we, what we in this gathering of the citizens of heaven would go, oh yeah, that's basic, that's basic, that's basic. How many of you quite honestly, that are out in the secular world around secular people and listening to their language and how they live, how many of you, quite frankly, are like, I cannot believe where the world is right now? Right? I mean, this is just generational. This is just, you know, I grew up in the 70s, 80s, and now I look at 2017. I'm like, holy cow. Right? So just being a citizen of heaven is plenty. And here's the thing. The joy and the privilege that we have of doing this, the freedom to do it in the spirit, is that there are people in this valley looking for hope. There are people in this valley needing true relationship. Someone who genuinely cares. They need answers. What's going on in the world? Where, does, are there answers? Tuesday night, the Bible? I'll, I'll go to that. that. Okay. There are a lot of people seeking in this valley. Some of them are on this street. You know them. And all you need to do, all I need to do, is live my life as a citizen of heaven and let my conduct match my creed. Just, just have the scales. Just do that and see what happens. Just do that. I put in, the, uh, in your notes there a little poem. Right? Some of you have seen it before. You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day. By deeds that you do, by words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel 
according to you. Powerful. Every area of your life. And let me, let me help you to understand, you know, we, we went through like 10 minutes of announcements. Let me help you to understand even church a little differently. When we have men's and women's ministries and youth ministries and children's ministries, all we're trying to do is come alongside you and help you in that specific demographic to be a citizen of heaven. The youth ministry is about teaching junior high and high schoolers how to be citizens of heaven as junior high and high schoolers. Women's ministry in that, in that context is designed for women to fellowship and, and study the Bible together so that women together can encourage one another what it means to be a woman as a citizen of heaven, a female citizen of heaven today. Men, tonight, we begin this journey together of what it means to be a citizen of heaven as a dude. See, suddenly you realize, oh man, this, the church stuff isn't just, we're just not trying to fill time around here. Our desire is to help all the different age groups and genders, whatever, understand what it means to be a citizen of heaven in 2017 in Ojai, which is a very unique animal. Amen? So we come along to each other. We get in the word. We share lives because we're just citizens. We're just citizens. You know, I have a role at this church, but in the end, I'm just a citizen of heaven. My kids watch me as much as they watch you. Right? We're all just citizens of heaven. We're in this together. That is the joy. That is the joy and the privilege. Okay, so don't don't let the devil flip it in your head. Like, oh, man, I blew it. I've been blowing it. I'm the worst citizen ever. I think they're kicking me out. Nope. 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 Sorry, you're in. You're in. Turn to Luke, and we're going to prepare for communion. Look at Luke 10. Here's a word of encouragement to you who might be a little bit like, oh, man, really? Right? In Luke 10, Jesus had sent out 72 on a mission trip, and he gave them authority to do all kinds of supernatural things, wonderful things, and they come back celebrating. Woohoo! Hey, great mission trip to Mexico, right? It's like the mission trip to Mexico. They come back and they're giving testimony. Da, da, da. Did you see that? Yeah, right? That's what happens in Luke 10. Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name, right? So they had gone out. Demons were, ah, get out of here. Da, 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 da. Right? They're stoked. Just like Mexico, right? He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you, right? Jesus says, yeah, that's awesome. I gave you that authority, right? However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written where? In heaven. He says, hey, that's awesome. Mission trip to Ensenada, awesome. Haiti, awesome. But that shouldn't be the true source of your joy. What God's doing at the well, awesome. But don't rejoice over that. Hey, citizen of heaven, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Cities used to have registers of citizens. And that word where it says is written, it means is written and stands written. It's an, it's an assurance. I love it. It means they have been written and they stand written. So if you're a citizen of heaven, 
If you're a believer this morning, your name is written somewhere. In heaven. That's the basis of your rejoicing. So yeah, maybe you're, maybe there's some areas in your life you're like, oh yeah, mm, gotta clean that up. Oh yeah, coworkers, yeah, kind of, I've uh, been hanging out with the boys, and yeah, maybe my language. Oh yeah, okay. Turn around, like, keep your hand up and turn around and smile at everyone else. Go, you too. Look, you're not alone. You're not alone. Some of you got two hands up. Someone want to raise someone's hand? It's okay. That's called sanctification. But is your heart, is your desire to keep moving forward? And what is the basis? How do we keep our joy? Well, you know what? Your name, your name, your name, your name. It's written in heaven right now. And it stands written. That's the basis of our joy. We got to peel back and we got to get the heavenly perspective, yo. Right? You go, what? Right? At 11.18 on October 8th. 2017, October 9th, what's the date today? 8th, October 8th, 1118, if you're a believer, right now your name is written in heaven. So you go out and you live as a citizen of heaven. That's your home. What can they do to you out there? You go out and you just live as a citizen of heaven. Right? When you went to Mexico... Right? Here's my passport. I'm a citizen of... Hey, why don't we walk around with the same confidence? Got the Holy Spirit. Father says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Your name is written in heaven and it stands written. Just be who you already are, a citizen of heaven. Amen? Lord, thank you. Thank you. The Apostle Paul, writing from prison, tells the church in Philippi, Hey! You're so committed to being Roman citizens, church. I want you to be just as committed to being heavenly citizens. Hey, church, can you by your life just demonstrate what it means to be a citizen of heaven? Lord, what a joy, what a privilege it is to represent you. To represent you on this planet. Because we are surrounded, even now in this valley, by people that need you. That really want to know, is, is following Jesus legit? Does following Jesus really matter? Lord, we want them to know that it's legit and that it matters just by the way they feel. In the power of the Spirit. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Lord, as imperfect as we are, we want to live as citizens of heaven. Thank you that our name right now stands written in heaven. Man, Lord, I, I, I still sometimes don't even know how to wrap my mind around that. An eternal truth. An eternal peace. Knowing that our name is in heaven. On the registry. And so as we prepare for communion, once again, this morning we remember you, Jesus, and that it's by your sacrifice, by your obedience to your Father's will, you came to seek and save the lost. And it's through faith in you that, that we take communion as a church family.
And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus, if you're not a citizen of heaven, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. So if you're here and you want to believe in Jesus, just trust and say, Jesus, the best way I know how, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting my faith in you for salvation, Jesus, that you died for me, that you rose from the dead. I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't force my way into being a citizen of heaven. So Jesus, I just received the gift of salvation. And if that's your desire, then by all means, take communion. And then, Lord, we take communion this morning also. As we stand and as we come forward, Lord, we have a visual representation that there are other citizens of heaven in this room. In fact, the church is made up of citizens of heaven. And so we collectively celebrate our relationship, our eternal relationship as citizens, all because of what he did, Jesus.